Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be giving you guys a recap of the blue Santa Cruz Warriors game. Now, typically what I do is I give previews, but I'm recording this a bit late. I was pretty busy in the morning, so I'm not going to dump out a preview to you guys pretty late because it's not going to matter. So I'm just going to recap for you. I'm recording this literally at 5 p.m. Game ended probably like 45 minutes ago. So this is a pretty immediate reaction from me, though. This was a must-win game for the OKC Blue. They have had chance after chance to just seal a playoff spot. They've lost three in a row heading into Saturday's game. And if they won any one of those three, they would have sealed it. They won against the Delaware Bluecoats before that, but they dropped four of their last five. So even if they lost, or if they won their first game out of that kind of five-game uh, drought, they would have made it too. So they had so many chances, and this is the final one they get because if they lose here, they don't control their own destiny. They've been able to do that for like a week now. That opportunity, it's shot out. It's gone because they were not able to beat the Santa Cruz Warriors tonight. They ended up losing this game 113-103 to in overtime so the blue they are eight and seven on the season santa cruz they end up advancing winning the last 10 of 11 games they look like one of your top dogs in the entire league right now because their record currently sits at 11 and four so that is very close they're gonna be one of the top seeds entering the playoffs not sure what's going on with the okc blue though because even though they lost they have a chance here ignite they have to lose, and they end up playing the Austin Spurs. They're one of the top teams. They end up pretty much crushing the Oklahoma City Blue a little bit ago. So, if the Austin Spurs win, that's great, and the Blue make it in. But they're going to be at the very bottom seed, and they're going to be playing the number one uh, team in the league. So, I mean, obviously, that's better than nothing. If the G League Ignite win, they end up playing at 6 p.m. Central Time. The dream's over, and that's going to be crazy. And, you know, honestly, I I could probably make a whole entire episode on this, but they're probably the greatest G League team to never make the playoffs if, you know, the G League Ignite end up winning. I know it sounds silly, but I'm dead serious. They're really, really good. Anyways, they end up being good to start out the game. They went on a 5-0 run. It came off a Xavier Simpson bank shot three, and then Jalen Horde just drove inside for a layup. And then, guess what? They had Jeremy Lin running point guard. He was kind of trying to slow offense, like slow the offense down. And the Blue, they were pressuring him. They got a turnover from him and another one of their guards. I think it was Dusty Hannas. He had a turnover. So they got an 11-2 run to begin this game. And then Santa Cruz, they started getting traction. They kept going inside. And that's kind of how they were able to dig themselves out of that nine-point deficit. And they were able to get the game down to just one point at a certain time in this period but the thing was Omer Yurtseven he was in the game now so he goes in for one of his signature post hooks that one goes in and Vincent Edwards he can shoot it from downtown so he hits a shot as well so that is a major swing get you back up six points however by the end they're only up to 26 to 24 in the Blues advantage and the thing was the Blue, they actually were not winning on the field goal percentages. They shot 41%. The Santa Cruz Warriors shot 50%. What mattered, though, was the amount of shots they were taking. They had seven offensive rebounds to the Warriors' three. Gives you a lot more open looks, and there you go. Omer Yurt seven had three of those, by the way, if you were wondering. So 
sides kind of remained pretty stagnant to start out the second. I think teams maybe 1-3 was assessed to the blue and then another one for the Warriors. Pretty even. But then Moses Brown, he ends up rejecting a layup attempt from the left side. He smacks it off the glass, starts up a fast break, and he doesn't have the ball. He just speeds up, sprints ahead of the pack, and is right down the middle of the lane for a thunderous throwdown. That's one of his best strengths. He's so, so fast with that frame. Centers can't guard him, even the ones that are relatively shorter, you know, and should be faster than him. They can't keep up. Strides are too long. And there you go. He gets you two points. So you'd think that'd be a momentum shifter. Really was not because the Warriors were still going right at them at the basket. They were stretching the floor out. Moses Brown really could not stay in the paint the whole time because they were making their threes at a high clip. So they had to sacrifice some of these inside shots. And they kept trying to run Jeremy Lin kind of in five-out offense. And it started out well. But then they kind of got in this cold stretch. And that's when Oklahoma City kind of took their strongest jab at things. So they were able to kind of jolt in terms of transition offense. They had a lot of points from that in the first half. And, I mean, honestly, the Warriors, if it was not for a couple pairs of triples, this would have been completely different. Isaiah Brown hit two of them with like two minutes left to get them up four. And, you know, that kind of helped them out a ton because they were able to build up their biggest lead of the half by that buzzer. 53 to 46 was your kind of swing there. So nine point advantage for the Warriors in that second quarter. And it's crazy because Isaiah Reese was their leading scorer. You probably have not heard of this guy. He averages 6.7 points on the G League season. Pretty relatively like quiet. This is second professional year. He played in the G League for his rookie season as well. But he already tied his season high through the first 24. He had 17 points off seven of nine shooting and he really helped out kind of get people inside because he was such a threat you really did have to cover him and everyone else around the you know perimeter was pretty scary too so that's how they got in they shot better from the field again 51 percent and from three they were shooting 54 and a half percent so they were not missing i believe they were shooting like six of 11 maybe i'm wrong there i don't have it on paper but i think it was six of 11 uh, that's what they were shooting. And Oklahoma City, all they really could lean back on was their mistakes. When they end up missing out on these isolation opportunities, get the basketball, start running the fast break. They end up outscoring them 15-3 to in that category. And they just killed them on the glass. 27-19 to is what you're looking at. But the main guy that always seems to find his way in the rebounding column was kind of left silent. Moses Brown only had five rebounds come halftime. And that may seem like it's not that bad but compared to what he's been doing where you know he had a stretch where he had double doubles like two minutes into the second quarter yeah this was not his prettiest moment he had three guys trying to box him out for like half of that second quarter it's pretty ridiculous and it gave them the results they wanted because now they were kind of in the driver's seat leading into that second half but the okc blue they were not going to go away that easy. They went on a 7-0 run. They tied the game back up. Everything the Santa Cruz Warriors have been working with, gone. Only took them like a minute, 10 seconds. It was actually crazy. But then Warriors, they got on a 5-0 run. Blue, they get on a 5-0 run. And it came off of a Phil Booth corner triple. Jeremy Lin was nowhere to be found. I think he should have been kind of around there. 
He tried baiting a charge. This guy just went flying. This was like a Marcus Smart flop. No contact at all. He just jumps up, kicks his legs out. You're going to give this man an Oscar or something? Like, no. Refs did not give him any benefit there. So it's tied right back up. And then Grant Gibbs made a kind of interesting decision. We've seen it before where Pokachevsky's the five, but Pokachevsky, he's with the Thunder now. He got recalled. So you don't have any seven footers outside of Moses Brown and Omer Yurt seven, and one of them always seems to be on the floor. He didn't want to do that. So they didn't have Brown or Yurt seven playing for a brief moment in that third, and it really ended up biting them because that just kind of allows Jeremy Lin to navigate right inside to the lane and get some easy layups and same goes with the kickouts you don't want to allow that kind of stuff and you know it gave him a wide open basket something that you rarely ever see when you go up against the Oklahoma City Blue so they took that chance and went on a 9-0 run got up 70 to 64 and then Omer at 7 came back in and he re-entered he cashed in on a string of buckets narrowing that gap down but costly mistakes really plagued them in that third Omer Yurt 7, he goes in, he was already in foul trouble, but he picked up his fourth foul in the back end of this third. You can't really run out with four fouls. You got to kind of hold back, especially since Yurt 7 was probably one of the best players at that point. You got to hold on for the fourth quarter. So he ends up getting pulled. They really had to go back to this no center lineup. And, you know, it worked a little bit better the second time around because they were able to knock that seven point lead that they had gotten up to down to three. But they were down 79 to 76 entering the fourth quarter. And Moses Brown, he came back in. He hardly even played in that third. It wasn't really due to foul trouble. I guess Grant Gibbs just wanted to have another option here because he wasn't as dominant down low. I think he shot two of nine in the first half. But yeah, so he finally gets thrusted back. Hopefully, you know, you try to get a spark with him again. And it worked, but it kind of hurt in other areas on defense Moses Brown he's a lengthy guy if you have a point guard trying to get a floater up on him he's going to reject that every single time however when you get a high ball screen set and you have that guard going in for a floater Moses Brown's going to latch on you but what if they're going for alley-oops perfect passes were being thrown by this uh Santa Cruz Warriors guards went right over the fingertips of Moses Brown, goes to the center for some beautiful dunks. Their first two points, or yeah, their first two baskets actually, came off of assists, so that really plagued them. Luckily, Moses Brown did get a couple of rebounds in that point, so he was able to get those possessions. And on the other end, the Oklahoma City Blue, they were able to work around from downtown, and they were able to snag their first lead of the quarter with nine 40 to go so they kind of erased everything going for the Santa Cruz Warriors but really just turned into a back and forth Santa Cruz was up 93 to 90 with six minutes to go but then Vincent Edwards he strolls up he always hits the big shots at least he has tended to as of late he ends up hitting a major clutch three with a man in his base but on the other side Jeremy Lin going in for runners he was getting love from the referees all night long gets a little bit of a bump that's going to be one free throw worth two points and he did not miss that so they get back up two and then luckily for the blue they got a steal off of jeremy lynn so ryan woolridge one of the most bouncy players on this roster goes in for a fast break bucket so you get it tied then 
you know, you saw the Warriors kind of work on penetrations. That didn't hurt as bad. When they started working on threes, that's when it really kind of sunk in on these guys. So they got one three to go. Empty blue possession. Next play, another triple for Santa Cruz. So they are up six points with two minutes to go in this game. Luckily, Moses Brown was able to get right down low, gets a nice spin move in right around the basket, just finger roll it right up, and now you're only down four points, but that's a two-possession game, and you're not working with a lot of time here, so you need stops if you want any shot at getting a W. And right at the other end, it seemed like the nail was just getting placed in the coffin at this point. Isaiah Reese, the man who was killing it in the first half, he comes back right when necessary, makes a runner. Six-point Warriors lead. You're talking 80 seconds to go. This is kind of when you need to go into fight or flight mode. Well, not even not even flight. You just got to go right at them to try to get some buckets to go. And that's exactly what happened. Phil Booth, he charged in. He missed his layup. But Ryan Woolridge flew in. I'm talking literally flew. This man's head was probably close to the rim. And he's not really relatively close to the, the rim. Like, he's not able to just do a putback dunk. He has to barely, like, tap it in, and it rattles around the right side of the iron for a little bit, but it found its way inside the cylinder. So it's a four-point game again, and there's a minute left. Jeremy Lin, obviously, he's been around for a while. He knows in this situation you need to hold on to the ball. The clock is your friend when you are up two possessions right now, but... He ended up turning the ball over. Antonius Cleveland stripped that bad boy away. And Cleveland's speed was too much for Lynn. He is able to go out with the two-handed rim grazer. Two-point game. And regardless of what the Warriors do, the Blue are going to get the ball back with time. So you get the stop and you get a shot to actually tie this game up. And they were able to catch a stop. Phil Booth. He wanted to make moves yet again. So in transition, Phil Booth is just getting right around defenders, gets met at the basket, and he ends up missing the shot. However, Ryan Woolridge again sprung right back into action, gets another putback. Tie ball game. 20 seconds left. The Santa Cruz Warriors advance the ball. They don't want to see the blue have any shot at this so they want to drain this down as much as possible at worst you're looking at an overtime period so they want to attack the hole with Moses Brown I don't know if they were looking for you know a trip to the line or they genuinely wanted a layup but going in on Moses Brown may not be your safest bet really and they wanted to gamble here decided that'd be a better shot than a three and it was off the basket ends up hitting the backboard didn't find home so it's 103 to 103 entering overtime okc blue they've been in one overtime situation before this and they were not able to capitalize and i'm getting blown out really did not want to repeat history here and you know with two minutes to go it's really about who's able to get that first two possession lead because once you have that you got the time you just got to sit with it okc they did not get the tip off goes in santa cruz's favor jeremy lynn right wing he's sizing up his man finds enough space and he swishes the three down you need to return and the blue clearly when you have little time left 
you're not trying to be conservative that's the whole point like typically you see that five minute overtime you can kind of work through things but when you're down three with only a minute 40 to go or whatever it may be you're not looking for twos you want that three so it's pretty evident that's what they were searching for they could not find it perimeter was shut down moses brown was not really in any sort of passing lane here they did a great job kind of suffocating his skills down low so they had no time vincent edwards has the basketball right wing he has to do a step back three kind of did his sj impersonation here with that sidestep but it ended up coming short so other side santa cruz warriors they have the basketball they start going inside and they get a runner to go so they are up five points with just over a minute left in this game. So, Phil Booth, he wants to attack. He does it for the third time in critical moments, and he tries going into it for the second level layup. He doesn't hit it. He even hits like the bottom of the right side of the rim. So, pretty ridiculous. Mad scramble for this basketball. I'm talking three Santa Cruz guys still trying to box out Moses Brown, doing a little tip drill here originally they called it out on santa cruz so the okc blue would have a little bit of time left only down five points you can get a shot up one possession play defense kind of similar to what happened in that final minute but they used their challenge gets overturned so the santa cruz warriors have possession of the basketball completely changes the landscape of this game you can't let them dribble it out and get up a shot because you're left with 20 seconds you make your shot you're still going to be down. You're going to have to play this free throw gig. So you don't really want to be forced in there. You need some sort of turnover to be forced in order to find your way back into this game. They were not able to do that. So Warriors inbound the ball safely. Not much action goes on here. Let the time kind of dwindle down. Jeremy Lin gives the basketball to who would have guessed it? Isaiah Reese, left wing. 30 seconds to go so they got it down they could have actually shrunk in this a little bit longer but he saw his chance he popped it he swooshed it eight point lead pretty much no time that was that was really the game sealer so the blue they hoist up a shot no good get another santa cruz player to the line they make their free throws end up winning this 113 to 103 blue go blank in overtime they get outscored 10 to nothing there and yeah man as i mentioned a little bit scary now because it's not under their control whether or not they make this the vipers honestly they were the first team to kind of get saved if you know the blue would have won one of their games they would have been kind of in a predicament right now i think technically maybe since they're nine and five they'd be good but you know they were kind of wandering around for this past week headless like they didn't have any sort of direction here they were hot but you know if they lost the g league ignite they were done for they won they keep winning look at them they're nine and six on the season g league ignite at seven and seven they played their last game against the spurs and they will need a victory now something that will be kind of unique to see you know, the Austin Spurs, they kind of have a choice here. And, you know, as much as they probably would not like to admit it, they kind of get to pick here. You know, the G League Ignite, they very well could win fair and square, but they're on a three-game losing streak. 
and they're, they're not really looking that good. They got Donta Hall out of their rotation because he got picked up by the Toronto Raptors. They don't have his rights anymore, so they kind of have a lot of issues around the roster. Not as formidable as it used to be for them, so they play their last one. They're going up against a Spurs team that, when fully healthy, can be dominant for you. They don't have Trey Jones. I know that. I don't think they have Samnich either. I think both of them are still with the Spurs right now, but they still have a decent amount of firepower on their squad because they do have players such as Robert Woodard, who technically they don't have rights to. Sacramento does. They don't have a G League team, so they get him kind of dropped down to their squad. So they had a lot of gifts here in terms of two-way players coming, and you know they've been able to work pretty flawlessly. They don't have to play all these guys. They can sit them out for rest, and you know it'd probably be viable. They play on Monday. You know, they don't have any real risk here. They clearly may look at the seeds and kind of try to game plan who they want to match up against. It can fluctuate depending on if they win or lose here. But I think they would probably much rather be playing against a G League Ignite team than a blue team who, you know, they actually did beat pretty sizably. Yet, that was coming off a game where a lot of the typical beasts for them just were off. So... I don't think any playoff team really wants to mess around with them because they've kept it close with just about everybody on, you know, the schedule for them. Everyone in that playoff hunt, they don't want to see them because, you know, the blue, they rank pretty high. Really every category that you want to talk about here. So for the game, though, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, they found their refuge in a bench player here. Isaiah Reese, he came in 12 of 17 Five of six from downtown he gets 29 points on this game and he has 11 assists he's stars that's probably his best game of his career to this point and no one could shut him down they didn't have Nico Mannion they didn't have Jordan Poole both of them were with the Warriors now but he's trying to make his kind of first jab at making an NBA roster did a pretty good job there off the bench you know they had Jeremy Lin who was just a floater specialist. He wasn't doing that much from three outside of that big one that he hit. He was two of four on the game, but he was still able to notch 26 points on the game alongside six rebounds. Had three assists, so not a ton for him, but I would still consider that pretty quality from Jeremy Lin. Outside of that, they had some decent options around them. I know Dusty Hannah's. He's pretty good at shooting typically, from downtown he only shot one of five but he was getting inside for layups so he finished six of 15 and you had ryan taylor too 12 points from the man and they had pemberton actually who he had like nine points in the first quarter or something it was ridiculous he went cold outside of that but it definitely mattered when you look at the end result of the game for the oklahoma city blue i mean they had so many great players in this game they had five guys who netted double digits but the lead man only had 18, and that was Moses Brown. Moses Brown finishes with 18 points, 13 rebounds on the game, 7 of 13 from the floor. So a lot better come that second half, yet it was a little bit too little, too late, I guess you would say. Got to the free throw line three times, made two of them, had five offensive rebounds. You know, I think teams just have gotten a little bit too accustomed to how he plays, like there was no coaches really just game planning entirely around this man. That's exactly what's happened since, I'd say, Ty Jerome left. 
when the cold streak started, that's when teams just kind of locked on. If you shut down Moses Brown, you kind of help out on every other area. The other big man in Omer Yurt 7, he was really good off the bench. He had 11 points, only played 13 minutes. 13 minutes, that's wild. 5 of 9, 1 of 2 from downtown, and even collected 5 rebounds. He's just looked so good with the team so far, and it seems like he just keeps improving. Like, you're looking at a very small sample size here with 13 minutes, and he's still being able to produce like this. So it's pretty wild, and, you know, I mentioned it before, but, like, I do think if he can develop that three-point shot into a real asset, he could probably fill in somewhere, whether it's on a two-way or down the road. And, you know, Oklahoma City, they really aren't in need of more of a back-to-the-basket big like your 70s a lot more slower than I'd say a Moses Brown but unlike Brown he is able to shoot so that kind of gives you like Al Horford kind of senses obviously a lot lot lower at this moment but you know he does have a decent shot and he can finish and get rebounds role player caliber guy you could probably get somewhere I think that you know teams in a market I, I think I mentioned Orlando as like a potential candidate. They always are addicted to getting these just traditional bigs. You know, Mo Bamba's kind of sticking out like a sore thumb with them right now. And they have Kem Birch, who's really just exactly what you need in a typical center. Vucevic, he's pretty quick for a center, I would say. A lot faster than your normal ones. Not crazy fast, but he can shoot. Likes playing in the post, he can rebound. So you just need the traditional guys. Any team in need is someone like that. Yurt 7 really suits that very well. So I think he capped off the regular season pretty, pretty well in this game. Phil Booth, he was shooting a ton. He shot 16 times. That was the most on the whole entire team. 5 of 16. 4 of 9 from downtown. Also had 7 assists here. He was just trying to crash inside to create plays. And, you know, I think once the refs quit calling so many fouls, his kind of lucky patch didn't really go anywhere he didn't even shoot a free throw in this game so kind of tough love coming his way Xavier Simpson he had eight points three assists wasn't all over the place as usual he's been dropping near triple doubles just like a point or two off a sister two off rebound or two off he's always right there was not really in this game and you know he's working on shooting threes that's kind of been his biggest downfall and both of his makes came from three two of three on the game so I guess that is something that you can take away from this one Vincent Edwards he had 13 points 5 of 14 2 of 10 from 3 though so the absolute marksman he was hitting some clutch shots but a lot of them kind of came off the mark whenever it 
came down to the wire. So a little bit tough there. Melvin Frazier Jr. was actually, I thought, one of the better players on this team. And the stats would never suggest that. He he just had three points in this game, two assists, two rebounds, and two steals across 21 minutes. That does not look good on paper. One of four shooting, one of two from downtown however what i will say with him is he was so great on the defensive side of things in that first half he was he was pretty much locking down the number one guy he got so many loose balls created just solely off of him and even getting those steals getting active that's one of his best traits and you know he didn't really get as much time transitioning from the lakeland magic to the oklahoma city blue but you know i do think still at 24 years old he has that prototype you plug him in anywhere and he should be able to give you decent numbers he's not blowing you out or anything but he fills in as that good perimeter defender that you can use and you know with that 7-2 wingspan it really opens up his style of play so I'd say that was maybe your main people I know Jalen Horde he had eight points and six rebounds on the game Rob Edwards a little bit rough for him he was one of nine for three points one of five from distance and then Rollridge I think that was your main dude here with, you know, his 15 points and seven rebounds, four assists, just crash inside. He really did come out and save the game. And, you know, it is a little tough that they were not able to clutch it out in overtime. They do still have a chance, as this is being said. I mean, it will, in the coming hours, kind of circulate and we'll know who's going to have that final spot. But, you know, the G League Ignite will have to beat the Austin Spurs. So even if the Spurs... You know, if the Spurs win, you're looking at the OKC Blue sneaking in as that number eight seed, taking on whoever falls in at number one spot, though. Long way to go, though. This was their last real shot. Now they have to sit back, not really relax. They're probably going to be sweating, you know, binge eating. I don't even know what they're going to be doing. They're just going to be on the edge of their seats watching this Austin Spurs G League Ignite game. And, you know, and I'd say anyone who has, you know, ESPN Plus should probably go out and watch this game and hope for the best. I mean, if they advance they play on monday that's when the playoffs will kick off but you know their season may end here and if it is i'll make sure to keep you guys updated for tomorrow's episode obviously not what you wanted but there is still a chance so i'll talk about that in tomorrow's episode probably get in some thunder action as well other than that though guys that is going to wrap up today's episode and i thank you all for listening talk to you all tomorrow see ya